We're back for season two, episode five of the Shoulda Backed It podcast. How good was Super Saturday at Flemington and Randwick? With me to talk through all the action is Herald Sun racing expert Chris Venuccio. Mate, it was a bit of a contrast to last week with a, a lot of heavily backed favourites getting rolled on the day. Hello, Phil. And yes, it's a lot can change in seven days. Last week we had eight out of nine favourites getting up and on Super Saturday it was just a two, but thank goodness one of them was Wild Planet because I reckon the whole of Australia was on him. The whole of the planet was on him, mate. It was unbelievable. The uh, the uh, the push toward the end, I think it started about a dollar ninety in the end. You could have got almost $3 earlier in the week. I think it opened $3.20. I managed to snap up two eighty. Oh, got you covered and then. I got $3. $3. Yeah, no, I've, I've got to take a bit of credit for that because I did send, I did send you a text. <laughs> I did ask you, do you think Wild Planet is a good thing on Saturday? And the instant I would have said re- yes, wouldn't I? And the, and the instant reply came 30 seconds later. It was just <laughs> no. It was just a blunt no. Now, when did you send that to me again? I sent that on, must have been Thursday or Friday. Yeah, no, I must admit, Big V, when I saw that text, I hadn't even seen the fields, but it was some particular language you used within the, the text that made said, me I think... I said, do you think Wild Planet looks a good thing? And I, my contention wasn't that Wild Planet couldn't win. It was the good thing part of it. I thought, oh, well, nothing's just, ever a good thing, is wrote, it, Big V? You just wrote N-O, and I thought, mm, yeah, okay. It did I'll teach just, me for I'll being blunt. I must admit, after seeing that text and making that very blunt assessment, I did revisit the race later that night, and... Uh, came to the very quick conclusion that you were probably on the right track with that. you ended up getting a better price than you. Yeah, you must have used odds boost. Uh, mate, as you t- I've told you before, I don't use uh, the corporate bookie, so no, there was no odds boosting going on. Just just jumped on at the right time. But uh, yeah, certainly uh, after having a proper look at that race and then seeing seeing the field and obviously the big weight drop as well, I thought it was a pretty good pretty good bet. And I'll tell, tell you what, I wasn't alone. Every, every man and his dog was on it. And usually that can spell a bit of danger because I think when every tipster's on a horse, you know, they tend to get rolled. It mm. happens so often, it's just unbelievable. But thankfully, this was a, a win for us and it was a, a great Dwayne Dunn ride. He had a mixed bag on Saturday, but you know, thankfully he got this one spot on. Yeah, he did. It certainly had a mixed bag with a couple of other um, questionable rides, one of which I know annoyed you in particular. But yeah, we'll get, to those. we'll get to those. Yeah, we'll get right? to it. I mean, Wild Planet that was a pretty easy watch for all those people that were on it. Uh, did, did, just sat on it nicely and, and pushed the button when needed. So but, Wild Planet, we both were on Wild Planet. Good day for us, but mm. it could have been an even better day had we backed some other horses. So which, which one, one in particular? Well, I was going to start off with you. For me, uh, look, the one that I have as my should have backed it this week was up in Sydney, Shadow Hero. Uh, we talked about this race last week, and I know that you were a big, big fan uh, of Super Seth, but as soon as it came out, I think Shadow Hero looked the obvious pick, and I think was favourite for most of the week, but tended to drift on the day with uh, a few of the other fancy horses like Microphone and Castle Vecchio ending up starting favourite. So I actually did jump off it just at the last minute, back onto one of my old faves, Microphone, who did put up a pretty good run and a much improved run, I thought, on its uh, second up effort. But seeing Shadow Hero run past it with about 50 to go, I immediately thought, what have I done there? Why have I jumped off the horse yeah. that I I definitely thought was going to be the winner earlier in the week? Yeah, and I was a bit disappointed that Super Seth was scratched a couple of days before because I thought he looked like the banker in this race. I think the way the result has unfolded, I, I still think Super Seth would have won this race. And when you look at, you know, Microphone did look a winner at 
certain stages in the straight, I think Super Seth has lengths on a horse like Microphone. So uh, Shadow Hero, that's I think that could be a bonus win for him because he, he looks hard to beat now, particularly at 1,800, 2,000. And out of the race, I think Warning is on track for the Derby. That was a, a nice run. I'm not so sure about Castel Vecchio. I did say in the previous podcast that I didn't think his run looked as good as Shadow Hero and Warning, and I feel a bit justified in that comment because I was surprised that there was raps on the horse after that run because he looked under a bit of hard riding well before the straight. I thought he, you know, boxed on okay, but he again it looked like he needed to make that early move and yeah, the mid race move yeah. was a bit of an interesting one, but it, it was, was caught so tempo. far back. Yeah, I yeah. think it was a tempo thing. And I think it's the only way the horse was going to get into the race and win. Yeah. So it couldn't yeah. win from where it was. So I don't think it was a bad move. But once it had been done, hadn't didn't have much left. Yeah. And I think um, I still got question marks on him. But maybe when he gets out to 2,000 metres, maybe even further if he stretches out to 24, maybe that might he might be that type of horse where he needs three, four runs until he you know, really hits his peak for his well, max. Well, and I think one of my comments to you after the race was that, look, this is a horse that ran, you know, a place in a Cox plate. So let's not jump off it completely on on probably only really one bad run. So I'm happy to keep an eye on Castelvecchio moving forward. But, yeah, from my perspective, Shadow Hero yeah. looked, looked the clear on top yeah. horse and uh, very disappointed not to and be on it. He's a horse that... The punters are still, you know, they're still pretty loyal to him. He was four eighty in the in the guineas, and mm. he's got a lot a lot of loyal supporters because he he is a backable price all the time. But I think he's the type of horse where you might need to just pick the right time to back him. I don't think it is early in his prep, so mm. I think he was a bit unders. He was yeah. challenging for favoritism, so he was definite unders for sure. Uh, what about yourself, mate? I think your should have backed it might have been at Flemington. Yes, it is, and um, in race it was three, in race three, spend and another Dwayne Dunn winner. So this was a, another horse that he rode to perfection on the day, and I I, th- I got this race wrong. I th- I had Catalan on top, but I think I th- should have. I think I've overrated Catalan. He's, he's ended up running last, so I think he had a she had a bit of an issue, but I think spend he just looked like he just mapped a lot better. I think he came out of a stronger race. And he's a very good price when you look at Russian Camelot was the horse that the punters really jumped on late, and that horse was smashed. I think five dollars into three sixty. So, well, I think it stood in the barriers though, yeah, didn't it? I in think the that, that in the end that did help Spend win because once Russian Camelot missed the start, Spend was a two dollar shot to win that race. But I think what we can take out of that is for those who were on Russian Camelot, it was just bad luck, but. That big push for him just shows that there must have been a lot of confidence in that horse. And so he, he'll have to be a horse to follow based on that, yeah, that look, support he got. Given given that starting price and the fact that it missed a start, to come, to run into fourth, only losing uh, two and a half lengths from the winner there, you'd, you'd say that was a pretty good run. Uh, just on Catalan, uh, I understand it was galloped on, so probably yeah. an excuse there. Kind of helped for sure. So... I think probably not one to put the uh, the dagger through there either. But, yeah, good pick up there. Spend, nice win, uh, nice ride as well, and did, did it quite comfortably in the end. How about uh, your should have sacked it for the week, though, mate? One of the ones that you uh, were on that you perhaps didn't, in hindsight, wish you were. Well, I think that well, that definitely has to be Avilius. So I was on both Regal Power 
and I had to have the saver on Avilius because of the soft track. I thought he is a class horse. This he's got the conditions to to suit to finally do something this prep, and he, he just he had Dwayne Dunn was on him. This was probably this was one of Dwayne Dunn's poorer rides for the day. He just gave the horse absolutely no chance of winning. He did say after the race that the instructions to him were to ride him conservatively, but I don't think that means last on the rail from barrier nine. I just thought the spot that Regal Power found behind Vow and Declare, I thought that that could have been the spot where Avilius should have been. And that's still riding him conservatively because he's still in the back half of the field. And um, no, it was just too far back, no chance. And you just look at... Since Avilius's last win, we ran fourth, the fifth in the Australian Cup. He was fourth in the Chipping Norton, although that was a big run. Fifth in the All Stakes, first up this prep, but then last in the spring, seventh in the Cox Plate, fourth in the Caulfield Stakes, and that's after he won the George Main in September. So he's had five runs out of the placing. So he just gets—he's a horse that gets too far, too far back in his races and. Well, most, most most of those races you've just described are Group One races, but I mean, but he's deep in the market. I think yesterday I, I didn't want to have a bar of three dollars thirty or whatever it started. I mean, it was way over bet in my opinion, and you had other horses in the race, you know, coming in with better form. Yeah. Well, I mean, just because it rains a little bit, suddenly everyone's jumping well, on it. There's only two lengths behind Tiaku Shark, and what Tiaku Shark did was uh, just. Phenomenal. It's been described as winks like So I, th- I thought the run was pretty good. I thought third yeah. up in, in the Australian Cup, you could have expected him to be a little bit closer in the run. Just doesn't doesn't race as well down here, I don't think, yeah, in Victoria. Probably... I think it's a length or two better yeah. horse up in Sydney. That's and... a fair argument. But yeah. I think for me, it's one horse I'm going to put in the bin. I think he's just deep in the market. His racing pattern is... Is becoming a negative for him. I, maybe he might not have that that sprint that he had maybe twelve months ago. I'm just going to be cautious, taking you know pretty short odds on him. Now I know we'll hear a little bit more from you in your rant about Regal Power, but uh, the, the the run of the race for me was the return of the Melbourne Cup winner Baron Declare coming back first up over two thousand. And gee, I tell you what, they gapped third till fourth was a decent gap, and it was coming at the end. So. Definitely will be in my horses to follow. I mean, I don't think anyone watching yesterday would disagree with that. And coming off a Melbourne Cup win, not exactly a massive call, but that was such a good yeah, run. Yeah, that was a big run first up. And yeah. when you consider that his main goal is that new Brisbane race during the, the winter. So he's still got maybe you know another run or two before he heads off for that, that Brisbane race. But um, yeah, might as well get the, the rant. Out of the way now. Oh, just in front of my should have sacked it. That's all right, mate. Don't worry. All right, we'll go through should have sacked it. No, we'll go through mine. We'll we'll go back to the rant later. So my should have sacked it for the week is Garner in the last at Flemington. I was having a pretty big day at Flemington, and I was on a bit of a high. So I thought, you know, it wasn't a get out for me, but I thought I'd launch late, and I wasn't the only one. A horse that I think came in from about three dollars fifty into about two sixty two seventy by the time they jumped. But I went against my better judgment with that one, so I, I had a look at the field. I saw it hadn't had much first-up form, and I saw the price coming in, and I just I, I took it on just because of the uh, that money rather than my, my gut, which probably said it wasn't going to be firing first-up. Still ran well, ran third, I think, but, yeah, I'm um, a little bit disappointed in myself for going as hard as I did at that one. Yeah, another 
Dunn Horse. I just, I think... <laughs> We're not going through every one uh, of his rides today, yeah, are we? Yeah, he had a great book yesterday, so he, he probably would have expected to get three or four winners. But I, I thought, watching the run, I thought the horse may, may have given Dwayne Dunn a bit of a hard time. I think he was trying to get it balanced up. and It, it did race a bit green. It was sort of trying to get inside horses. Didn't want to sort of... It was rearing towards the end. But I still don't think it cost it the race. But certainly one to keep an eye on for second up, third up as well. But just first up yesterday, I think way over bed as well. And I'm disappointed in myself for getting on that train. Another horse that we've talked about previously on the podcast, in fact, it was my run from the bush horse, I think two weeks ago now, was Minage, and it ran in the first yesterday at Flemington. And I tell you what, you're not going to see a better run from a two-year-old um, first up up the straight, are you? Because that was an amazing win. No, that was massive performance. I mean, I expected it to run well, but not that well. And I thought uh, Montesiro was a little bit plain, particularly mm. that she was he, her run in the Blue Diamond was you know pretty eye-catching. So I thought she was you know, disappointing. Maybe. She, Maybe she wants 1,400, so I don't know about her chances in the Golden Slipper, but Benage was you know, really impressive. Put that race away a long way from home. Uh, easily. Won by about four and a half in the end. And interestingly, came in from $51 into nine for the Golden Slipper. I understand that it's just drifted a little bit back out to sort of $15 now. Yeah, that's now, more realistic. Which yeah. is probably a more realistic bet, particularly given it hasn't got a start yet as well. I think it's about no, 20th in the 20th, order. 20th, which probably suggests that it should get into the field. You know, there'll probably be a few that they come out of that field for the Golden Slipper. But, you know, you wouldn't want to be taking even $15 for a horse yet that isn't guaranteed a spot. When it is, you know, it might be... It's got to be a contender now. Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, obviously, we had the race up in Sydney as well with um, Farnham and uh, Tagaloa battling it out. So what did you make make of that one? Yeah, I thought the... The two obvious horses ran one too. Farnham was just... He's, he's the obvious favourite now for the Golden Slipper, but I wouldn't take any away from Tagaloa because I think it was too much to expect Tagaloa to come from the Blue Diamond, peak again, and then expect that horse to peak again for the Golden Slipper. So there's got to be some expectation he was just going to dip a little bit because and then rebound into the Slipper. I'm glad you said that because I think you would probably find that Tagaloa might have lost a few admirers because of yesterday's run, particularly around the Golden Slipper. But I thought the run had a lot of merit. The on-pace runner there obviously got to control the speed yeah. and, and sprinted away, but I, I, I wouldn't be jumping off Tagaloa no. on that run. No, and um, Farnham was leading a six-horse field. It's going to be a different story in the Golden Slipper, although I did hear that some of the Slipper contenders aren't natural front runners, so maybe in the Slipper he might control the race again. But being a two-year-old race... You know, anything can happen. You sometimes, you know, the speed comes in from an unlikely source. Uh, so we'll just wait and see. I mean, Farnham, I think he's clearly the favourite now for the slipper. But it's a, it'd be a different story in terms of race shape and tempo. So the other big race, and I know this one is one you want to really have a good chat about, was the new market and bivouac. You, were, you mentioned to me that you thought $6 was a sensational price in the end. Were you on it? No, I was one of those to jump off him. I was. I went with Exceedance. I, the reasoning was, you know, Exceedance had beaten Bivouac down the straight on the wet track, so I thought maybe history will repeat there, but different set of circumstances. Exceedance was first up, Bivouac had the run. But it was 
I think in hindsight, it was a, a little bit interesting that all the punters that were on Bivouac and they came from the trees to, to <laughs> back him in the Oakley Plate, I mean, it was into $2.30. I, I think that they jumped off him and they're all on Exceedance because Exceedance was the one they all jumped for because he was about 480 or something like that into 330, 340. So that's a, a big plunge on Exceedance and Bivouac's drifted out to $6. So I think that's pretty significant. I think they all dropped off him for Exceedance. Well, I'm glad that uh, Bivouac did win because it actually finally got me to convince you that there was a track bias at Caulfield well, two I weeks know. ago. I think there wasn't a track bias. I think, I think it's obvious at Caulfield that day there was a, an advantage to be on the lead and on the rail. It's just whether, to what extent. And I, I, don't, I didn't think Bivouac was ridden that well at Caulfield anyway. I, think, I thought he was t- got too far back and he didn't want to be too wide at Caulfield, whereas if you needed to be maybe one or two out. So... I don't think the, the there was obviously a, a track bias there, but I don't think I think it was a little overplayed to what it, what the bias actually was. Yeah, we also had Loving Gabby running a really nice race again there in the new market. But up in Sydney, we had the sprint as well, and everyone, every punter's favourite horse, Nature Strip, got the job done, drifting out to about three dollars fifty in the end. So typical Nature Strip, fourth, first, fourth, first. I think to how it sort of rolls. I did see a tweet that if you had a back nature strip every start in his last nine runs, this was before yesterday, that you, you'd still come out with a profit. So nature strip yeah. is one again, that means your profit will, would have increased. But Which means next start, nature strip will be a dollar fifty and lose yeah, again and, and, and then we'll get it drifting the next start. Yeah, That's well, how it rolls. And that next start might be <laughs> at, at Royal Ascot when you might get a, a price maybe. But yeah, I just think for me I'll just enjoy watching him. I think I'll let him just. Yeah. If 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 I if I'm confident of taking him on, so maybe with a bivouac, I'll I'll, I'll go against Nature Strip, particularly at twelve hundred of the TJ. Mm. But I, yeah, if he's if he goes around at a dollar fifty again, I'll I'll happily just well, watch him. I'm glad you mentioned the TJ because we obviously had the horses in the new market yesterday, but also that sprint race and behind Nature Strip. You had a pretty classy field, including one of our old favourites, Santa Anna Lane, which sort of flew flew home late. Redzel again, right, running second. It's uh, nothing but consistent, that horse. So leading into the TJ, what's your early thoughts on, on who might be the one to follow into that? I, th- I have to say Bivouac, mm-hmm. just the manner of his win in the new market. I don't, I'm not so sure about Santa Anna Lane. I don't think his run was as bad as I think you might have felt. He still ran the second fastest last 600 of the race behind the Prive. And that was just a fast race. They went really fast. I mean, Nature Strip had a 10-second split between the 8 and the 600. So they, they, so they were going really fast. And Santa Ana Lane's first up, unsuitable distance, and still and was making up ground late. So we know that Santa Ana Lane will be a lot better second up. But it was one. It was that type of performance where you want to see him run again. But unfortunately, his his peak is second up. So we either got to take the risk or yeah. Or not. So I think I said. Well, one of us said to each other, add two hundred meters, second up, drier track, and get rid of that incredibly quick split. You yeah. saw San Adelaide drop well yeah. back to last. I think 
actually about three or four lengths um, mm. last with another horse. Mm. So it will just run off its feet first yeah. up. So I, I'm not jumping off yeah. completely, but obviously you'll get a price in the yeah. TJ. Yeah, and obviously you don't want to bust the horse first up, so you probably couldn't have gone any faster early. But it wasn't like last year when it ran in the new, new market and finished fifth, where we just looked at that run and we thought, that, that that's just a, a, an outstanding run. Here's mm. the one for the TJ. And, it, and so it showed he just won that TJ really easily. This time around, it's just a, there's a lot more question marks. Speaking of question marks, the all-star mile field is slowly but surely diminishing with a number of the main contenders now either injured or, or others like Super Seth unlikely to run. So I guess without knowing the final field at this stage, I guess Alligator Blood looking better and better. Yeah, Alligator Blood... And I probably can't get off Melody Bell. I mean, that was a good run in the futurity. So Alligator Blood, Melody Bell, Superstorm was very good in the the guineas as well. Catalyst is still in the in the race, but not so not so sure. I, I don't like backing horses when they've had a setback, and he did have one in the guineas. Oh, I thought Catalyst was already back in New Zealand, mate. I don't think, think Catalyst will be running. No, if he's out, well then that's uh, uh, one less. The you one, the right. one for me, the one for me. And no, I'll, actually, you are. I think you are running. Yeah, no, Catalyst won't yeah, be running. Sorry. But uh, the one for me that if it wasn't at Caulfield and it didn't have its last run that I would have been quite keen on was Colding, but I, I just can't back no. it on the last run. No, I, I couldn't either. His his two runs have been below average. Fifty stars probably won't run now after winning the Australian Cup. So he would have been um, a big chance as well. So maybe this race that was starting to look like it could be a, a very open field might only have the two or three chances, and that could be Alligator Blood, Melody Bell, and Superstorm. I, d- I don't expect Elise to be in the field. So Elise is one of the emergencies. I couldn't have Avilius. I think Flit's going to run. You're oh, all fake. You've to, already sacked it. I've sacked it. I've already, I'm happy to take on Flit. <laughs> I'd like to see it win now, off. just to uh, see your face on the day, mate. Yeah, I think, um, no, I'm pretty confident that Flit won't do any, be a danger to Melody Bell or Superstorm or Alligator Blood. The other interesting one was, I think I heard that Regal Power might back up into the All-Star Mile, so that might be interesting, but I think even, maybe a horse like Fierce Impact, if that comes in, I think Fierce Impact is a I think you've just, just yeah. about named every single horse in the race now, Big V. I probably have, <laughs> but um, I would say the top chances for me would be Alligator Blood, Melody Bell, Superstorm, and maybe for fourth, Fierce Impact. I think they're the four. Well, they're the four in the market. So you, um, you box those up into a first four. You can't go wrong. Is that what you're saying? No, I, I actually haven't had a look at the market. So I was just Oh, well, that guessing. Mate, that's right. You should, you should run a book. Um, well, you will enjoy the day on All-Star Mile Day. Uh, listeners mightn't be aware, but you are getting married in a few weeks. And that'll be the uh, the location of your Bucks party, Bucks I believe. So yes, be that'll able. be a fun day. Let's hope the rain stays away. Yeah, we are, and the track plays fairly. Yes, that'll, that'll help as well. But the, the for, there is forecast for rain, but you can't trust the bomb. Well, it's a week away, so let's not uh, let's not try to forecast the rain. But, yeah, it'll be a good day at Caulfield. Um, free entry to those who uh, participated in the All-Star Mile voting, which is a, a nice little initiative from the club as well. So, 
Yeah, All-Star Mile. Thanks for that preview of that one, Big V. Now, Big V, I'm sorry to cut you off earlier, but I did want to sort of clear some of the talking points before we got into your rants because they can, you know, take over at times. So I want to hear your rant for this week. You mentioned Regal Power. You mentioned that you're keen to, to have a good rant. So we'll give you a minute for your high horse rant this week. Yes, the Regal Power out of the Australian Cup. And I reckon Regal Power got beat by a fitter horse on the day in 50 stars. And I think uh, you see a lot more trainers now in the lead-up races to grand finals. Is They just give their horses just a run around and it's just soft tempos. And in the Peter Young stakes, Regal Power ridden back in the field in a slow-tempo race. It became a 400-metre sprint. That doesn't give a horse any fitness benefit whatsoever. And you, we saw it there in the Australia Cup. He looked the winner. And then I think 50 stars just yeah, out-muscled him late. And we saw it, I think we saw it in the spring last year with Mystic Journey. Now, a horse that I was really keen to be on in the Cox Plate. You look in the Turnbull, I think it was the Turnbull Stakes. It was 10th at the 800 and you know, ran on for a midfield finish. That didn't do the horse any favours going to a Cox Plate. It was going to be at a different level of intensity. And I think it's just similar scenario with Regal Power. Having said that, Big V, does that mean you're going to take up a career in horse training by the sounds of it? Because uh, you're suggesting that the trainers or the jockeys didn't quite get it right in terms no, well, of the preparation? It's not, um, it's not the specific trainers and jockey. It's, it's happening with all of them. And you just see with all lead-up races, there's a lot of slow-tempo races in Melbourne. There's been a, a lot of that for months now. And going into... A grand final in your lead-up race, you you want to get a, a good solid run into you. You know, get intensity and exertion in the legs, because then when you go into these Group One grand finals, they're at a higher tempo, and it's and sometimes it can find you out. I reckon that's the difference between Regal Power finding that little bit extra to just hold off Fifty Stars, because Fifty Stars was coming off a really solid, strong race that rated really highly, and he's just outrun. Regal Power in that last 50, 100 metres. So I think that's the difference between winning and losing for Regal Power. No, it's an interesting thought. I mean, it's it's not much you can do, though. You put them in the races, I yeah. think. And as you say, the, the way races are being run these days is they're being run yeah. in, with that kind of yeah. tempo. And, which... and, yeah, it is a balance between not peaking a race too early, but you still want to have a, a solid run behind you leading into... Well, the target. well, that's right. Now, so you've you've shown us how easy it is to be a trainer. Now I'm going to show <laughs> oh, yeah. you how easy it is to be a jockey. So I've got a mini rant to follow yours. So um, just to cover off all parts of the industry, I have to go back to Randwick yesterday in the race that Savitiano started favouriting, and also we had other horses like uh, Be Good to Your Mother, uh, the Bostonian <laughs> one. Bostonian one, standout. Standout. That's right. And what was the other horse? Elise, Mr. Seawolf. Yeah, so that race... Race like the Canterbury Stakes. Yeah, there was only seven horses in it. And the jockey of Be Good to Your Mother, the horse just missed the start. And we know that Be Good to Your Mother yeah. likes to lead, but there was three horses really going hard at the start. And the jockey of Be Good to Your Mother, instead of just taking a sitting behind those horses and you know giving its horse a, a really genuine chance to win the race, decided to scrub it up and take on the favourite, Savitiano. The horse was gone at the 500. It was an absolute waste of time scrubbing it up and, and making it take on the uh, other leader. 
it also probably cost Sabatiana yeah. the race because it, it was having to do that little bit of extra work early, which meant at the back end of the race it didn't quite have the same finish that it would have had. So we, we see this countless times when a jockey gets called in for not riding the way they're expected to ride. And I think that's a symptom of what's happened here. So the jockey thinks it has to go and lead the race because if it doesn't, he's going to get called in by the stewards or get in trouble from the trainer. And it's, it's, it's just ruined the entire race, in my opinion. Well, the stewards, you did mention the stewards. Uh, and the stewards did speak to Declan Bates after the race and, and the jockey stated his instructions were to take up a forward position. And I, I agree with you. I, th- I just thought it was a very ordinary ride because they, taking up a forward position, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean leading. I mean, because they were going so fast, he still could have been 1-1. I mean, that's in a forward position. Well, even just sitting off the, the three that were battling yeah. it out is still is relatively it, yeah. forward position. And given that the horse didn't jump the gates very well, that sitting there would have been completely yeah. acceptable. And, and Beagle Tiamala was gone at the 350. He was already last, uh, 350 metres out from the winning post, and Sabatiano's only just got beaten. I, I agree. I think Sabatiano was a good thing beat. Oh, absolutely. Now, I didn't actually have a bet in the race, so I've got no, no stake in, in what occurred, but just watching it really frustrated me because I am a Sabatiano fan and I was hoping that she'd get the job done and just to see the way it was taken on unnecessarily uh, was a little bit frustrating. I thought standout was very disappointing. He he did come into the straight looking like he was ready to be let go and he just didn't find anything and you know, one of the excuses in the stewards report was he didn't handle the the soft track, that might have been the case, but I just think he went that poorly. There has to be something else wrong with the horse because he tried to make a move, never happened, and he was just he was well beaten as well. Well, we saw that last week with Catalyst. Well, this yeah, time last week, ball, we're yeah. saying, oh, what was wrong? What was wrong? We found out in the end there was something wrong. So it might be the same yeah. case with Standout. In terms of our horses to follow, I've already talked about Baron de Clare. I think that's the most obvious one of the day for me, to be honest. But you've got a couple as well that you're pretty keen on. Yeah, I think the I've got two horses to follow. Uh, pretty Brazen. That was a good second behind Ruby Saki. That was mm. Oh, the I forgot other, about Ruby Saki. That was, that was the, a good win. That was the other favourite to win on the day. So, yeah, that looked... Um, you can see why it was favourite. I mean, excellent record at the track, distance, conditions. Just a classy horse, boxes. isn't it? Yeah, and it just it just hits the line. It, mm. It's a horse that wants to win, so you can you can see why her record is just um, what it is. You know, just wins and seconds. So, but you like Pretty Brazen in behind it, then? Pretty Brazen, yeah. I think I think she'll be third up next time, so she looks ready. And Cosmic Force was a a big run behind Villamai. When Villamai won yesterday, I just couldn't believe it because. That was the one I was pretty keen on on Cox Plate Day. And had she been ridden like that on Cox Plate Day, I don't think that would have caught her. So that was a, a great ride. And Cosmic Force was you know, excellent behind her, carrying five kilos extra as well. So they're the two I wanted to follow. Yeah, there's a couple of good ones there because I reckon you'll get a price around both of them when they, when they start up next. So Pretty Brazen and Cosmic Force there from the yeah, Big Cosmic V. Cosmic Force coming out of Randwick. So we've got the run from the bush segment. Obviously, we've already discussed Minhaj, which has gone from out of our run from the bush to one of the favourites in the Golden Slipper. So we'll, we'll take all the credit for that. But this week, I was out at Pakenham 
on Thursday night, which is not an unusual thing for me these days. And there was a horse in race Just four. Around the corner. Oh, no, it's a pretty. It's not a not an easy trek out there, I must say. A, a horse in race four called Answer Me Hussy. So it ran second at Pakenham. It's still a maiden, only had two starts. But it raced very greenly and I thought just got beaten on the line that it's probably one that's ready to break its maiden next start. So I'm not suggesting it's going to be, you know, running around Flemington anytime soon. But I do think it's a horse that if you see in a maiden next time, um, worth a bet just to uh, break its maiden. Uh, so that's my run from the bush. Can't, yeah. Don't think you would have been watching out there well, on Packenham? No, I wasn't watching Packenham that night, but I was keen to see a couple of races at Ararat. On Friday, but I think that got washed out. It got moved to stall. Stall, okay. Yeah, oh, so... Oh, that's right, okay. I think with the uh, 65 mil of rain that occurred in Melbourne around that time, I... they uh, decided to move it. Yeah, I just I was looking on the TAB website. I just had Ararat abandoned, but I didn't see anything on stall. So uh, well, in terms point. of other, I guess, for want of a better term, country meetings, um, we've got... A, Nice little carnival up in Canberra over the next couple of days with the Black Opal and the Canberra Cup and the Canberra Guineas. I lived live in the ACT for a few years and they were always pretty good days out there at the uh, the track up there. So keen to see a couple of horses go around, particularly in the two-year-old race, the, uh, the, the Black Opal there, where we'll see some horses that might feature in the Golden Slipper um, in a couple of weeks' time as well. So worth keeping an eye out there. Are there any... yeah, well, we're doing this podcast on the Sunday before, so... With the two-year-old race, I think Salzabil looks the class, but there's a couple of niggles about her because she pulled up sore last start, scratched from Saturday because of apparent lameness, but then is running at, in Canberra and is a $2.15 favourite. So I'm not sure about her. We'll see how she goes first before we look at her as a golden slipper prospect. But I think on the Monday, Mugatu and East End are both scratched from Randwick, and I think they're the, the two. I think Mugatu is probably the one. I think that's the Canberra Cup. Yeah, that's right, Canberra Cup. And we also have Adelaide Cup that day, and I think our, our old favourite from last week, King Aaliyah Grant, will be just about a sure thing there on Monday, isn't it? Yeah, well, $2.50 chance. What price was he? He was three fifty. Three fifty last, last week. So, so if I'd been able to get on there, I would have been able to parlay nicely uh, into the yeah, Adelaide I think Cup. If you got the three, if you missed out on the three fifty, I'm not in a uh, mad rush to get two fifty. <laughs> Speaking of mad rushes, I was just you know enjoying my Friday morning coffee, and I was flicking through the pages of the Herald Sun, and I noticed that you've. Uh, just about got a full page spread spruiking your super coach racing. I know that you're the, the number one man for super coach racing at the Herald Sun. And I had a look at your, your results from yesterday based on your field. And you did pretty well, I thought. Yeah, I got a few misses in the group ones. I was with Standout as captain. Exceedance. Well, Exceedance was a late replacement because I was all over Super Seth. Regal Power managed to get second in the group one. But I think with the, the salary cap, it was you just had to go with the two-year-olds because of the prices. Well, I went with both Farnham and Tagaloa, so they ran 1-2. Uh, Muntasira and what was the other one? Minaj. Minaj was a good cheapie at 100000 And even Maccabee, 50000 wasn't a bad run. So Ollie Kirk and Larimer Street, uh, one of them got, I think Ollie Kirk got the second and... Mm. I can't remember where Larimer Street finished. Just, just remind me, Big V, um, I'm actually not in this, and I know I've heard of Supercoach in the AFL, for example. 
What what is it and what <laughs> how does it work? Well, you got your stable of ten horses, and you, you got the salary cap. So the salary cap was two million dollars, and that was a pretty tight cap because in the spring, three year olds are pretty cheap mm. and they're pretty expensive in the autumn. So you pick your ten horses. Group one races are worth more than group twos and then group threes and so on. So it's only Saturday racing. It's is only it? Saturday races. Um, it's for seven weeks, so we just had week one. And then, and the way to get to increase your salary cap, like in AFL, if your players you know, break their benchmark scores, their prices go up and down. Mm. In racing, it's a bit more simpler. If they win or play second in the group one, their prices go up. If they win a group two, their prices also go up. Group threes and listed races, their prices don't. If they run last, then their prices drop. Mm. So you're more likely to get horses to go up in price. So and I, and that's the key. You got to get winners as well. It's all right to get a good point. So my team didn't score too badly, but I've only got the one Group Two win and the one Group One place. So they'll increase my salary cap a little bit, but we need to get some more Group One winners. Now, can I win any money on something out of this big V, or is it all just you know you, you play it with your mates and I think you, you just play. Who's... I'm not sure about that. I think the autumn is just with your mates. Mm-hmm. In the spring, there was a cash price. So. Oh, okay. All right, well, keep an eye out if you are Harold Sun Reader for Big B Supercoach. Uh, I know that he's quite keen yeah. on it. I actually am not involved. No. What I'll do, I'll It's not I'll too make... late to get involved in I... the AFL one. And I'll... you can still take part in the, the racing one. Can I? Well, I might, I might build a team and take you on, Big B. I, I feel like I've, you know, obviously shown you up a little bit on our Twitter handle with our best bets of the day over the last few weeks. So I think I might have got one up on you this week. No, no, I had... Um, so my, my three were Spanish Reef. Minaj and the uh, and Ruby Saki. Okay, yeah. I thought Minaj wasn't an official one. Oh, it was just a blush mate, uh, once it won, it was official. Don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's all we've got time for for this week's episode of the Shoulda Backed It podcast. That was season two, episode five. Thanks for everyone that's listening on Spotify, iTunes, uh, and other podcast platforms. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to write into us as well if you do have any thoughts or any questions around the podcast. So uh, another big week, Super Saturday, into the All-Star Mile Bucks extravaganza next week with Big V. So we'll be looking forward to talking through uh, how that all went. And it might not uh, be a podcast next week. Oh, mate. Uh, no, we'll still make dusty. sure it happens. We need to. There'll be a few stories to tell. So. We'll do a midnight special. <laughs> but, yeah, it, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll uh, see you again next week. And as always, uh, good luck on the punt.